Hello and welcome to um, I think the last one of the season for the History of Yugoslav Football podcast, another ad hoc one. Um, apologies, it's been a little while since the last one. Um, I've basically spent the entire month in meetings with work of one way or another. So um, it's been quite hard to actually find any time whatsoever to do anything other than be tied to a desk um, and speaking into my microphone to do meetings. So I chose to use my downtime to speak into a microphone again, obviously. Um, but on the much more fun topic of keeping you all updated with what is going on in the world of uh, football in the region. Um, we have some seasons which are finished. We have some seasons which are coming to the very close. There is a distinct lack of drama um coming up really for this final weekend i think really there's only serbia which has much in the way of anything really to to sort out um and um i think probably sort of most of the headlines if you've not seen the um stuff from bilish tirana yesterday um do go search that out um because that was crazy um so yes this the very i think probably the first time on the podcast i've actually recommended just sort of look outside of um the region that we we cover and look at the categoria superiore in albania um because that final weekend this weekend promises to be absolutely wild um anyway Speaking of things that aren't going to be very wild, um, we'll go with our traditional north to south, starting with Slovenia. Um, the Piva Liga finished last weekend, um, and we went into the last weekend with really only um, Olympia's fate actually completely definitely sorted. They were going to be first, there was going to be no change in their position. Um, and there was a little bit of drama. Uh, in the European races and a little bit of drama in the relegation race. So, to run through the table from top to bottom, Olympia uh, finishes champions with 73 points after going on holiday for the first, last couple of weeks of the season, really. Um, Albert Rieria has been confirmed to have left the club. Um, essentially, he went into negotiations, well, I think very, very preliminary negotiations with the club over a new contract um, to extend beyond this summer. And the basis of his negotiation uh, tactic was essentially, I've won you um, the league and the cup, having taken over the side in absolute crisis. Maybe you should give me some more money. And they went, nah. Um, <laughs> and I don't see believing before the final game of the season. So, yeah. Um, we're possibly in for our traditional Olympia gonna Olympia summer as it is. Um, it is almost confirmed. I think it's Hal Henriquez, um, who used to be manager of Santa Clara and Maritimo in Portugal, who will be coming in as the new manager. So he is a bit of a coup, I suppose, really. Um, but yes, I mean, it's still a very difficult decision how they've approached things to come to terms with, given the absolutely runaway success of Albert Riera. In second, our finished Celier on 67 points, so only six points behind Olympia, um, which shows you just sort of how much Olympia went to the beach. Um, uh, who ended the season five points clear of Maribor in third. Maribor just sort of ran out of steam, really, as, as the season came to its close. Um, their form 
evaporated a little bit. Zavopotnik's scoring dried up a little bit towards the end of the season. But I mean, still, you know, with 20 goals for the season, that's an exceptional return for him. For Serie, um, you know, obviously their focus is very much going to be on next season. Um, to indulge in transfer gossip, the rumour is that they might be picking up Mili and Daku um, to lead the line. If they do, you know, they, again, they should be favourites for next season, really. Um, they are making the investment. They are making losses. You know, there's absolutely no doubt about that from a financial perspective. But there doesn't seem to be any um, trepidation about uh, making those investments as things stand. Uh, as for Maribor, I think probably shot themselves in the foot really a little bit towards the end of the season with some of Marco Schuller's uh, comments. Um, after the cup final, specifically around Marco Tolic. Um, it, you know, it, it didn't help Unity. They need a better season next season, but they have confirmed Damian Kuzna will be carrying on. and They have quite a bit of work to do, I would say. Um, in fourth, taking the final European spot, were Domzal, um, after a one-all draw on the final day with Radomier, um, that finished with Radomier boss uh, Oliver Bokotinov, um, slapping Semyon Dibicic, who is now Donzal's director of football, in the face. Um, after, I think, what was seen to be over-exuberant celebrations. Um, so, for Donzal, they needed to get, uh, it was, they needed just to get a point uh, in their final game to be assured of European qualification because they held the head-to-head over Mura. Um Unless Copel won. Now, in that final day of the season, Muir scored late in the game, finished before the Domzal game. So when they knew um, European qualification had been confirmed for them, they to celebrate, started celebrating a couple of minutes before the end of the game. That's where it all started to break down. Um, obviously, Muir finished fifth, um, even on points with Domzal, but behind on the head-to-head. Um, not really a successful season for them but I think you know you've got to bear in mind not only that they weren't great on the Dame Contala um, but also for bringing Dejan Grabic in Dejan Grabic is a manager you know I think I've mentioned on here plenty of times that I have a lot of respect for um, he is also quite a dogmatic manager in terms of how he wants his side to play I think there'll be quite a lot of movement player wise this summer at the club um, we've already seen them pick up Armin Kurtovic um, and release and release a couple of fringe players as well. I think they'll be quite busy. Um, as for Copa, they definitely do have a decision to make, really, as to the future of Zoran Zelkovic. Um, you know, after last season's near miss at winning the title, they have run out of steam really this this time around. Um, and I think, in particular, the second half of the season, just nothing really seemed to work much. Um, and they need to they need to kick on. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, because to not even be in Europe, I think particularly in a season where there hasn't really been a second very good side behind Olympia. You know, Maribor certainly won that for much of the season. Cellier don't win games easily enough to to really be that. Um, you know, really their expectation should have been Eyeing up second, maybe third. Um, so to end up sixth is, I think, a really disappointing season for them. Radomier, 
finished seventh on 44 points. They had a terrible first half of the season and have, much like last season, a very good second half of the season to pull away from any sort of trouble at all. Um, Bravo finished eighth, 36 points. They are going to have quite a lot of renewal this summer, so it will be interesting to see what the squad looks like um, when we come to the season starting in, well, about six weeks' time, as it will be. Um, you know, we've seen uh, a few players, as I mentioned, Kutovic has gone to uh, Mura already, but uh, we've seen uh, Zandro Antel uh, as another one who's left the club this week. You know, we're talking about guys who've been there for years um, and have come through Bravo's system. Um, so, it certainly will have a very different outlook, the side, next time around. Ninth and in the relegation playoff place are Gorica, after beating Tabor Sazana on the final day to relegate Tabor Sazana. Um, now, Gorica played the first leg of their playoff against Alumni last night. I haven't actually seen any footage of that because one football didn't have it live. Uh, they didn't seem to even register that the game Blumen existed, never mind, didn't have it live. And um, the league haven't actually put highlight, highlights package up, which is quite unlike them. They're normally quite hot on that sort of thing. But uh, anyway, Gorica lost 3-1 to Illumini in the first leg last night. Um, so, yes, we'll certainly see with the second leg next week as to how that goes. But definitely, definitely in a lot of trouble. Uh, and it may be that we see two sides coming up this time around. As for Tabra Susana, yeah, I mean, I think anyone who's listened way back eight months ago to the start of the season as to who I thought would be going down, I did think it would be Tabra Susana. They had this it, last summer, this sort of um, recruitment policy that I likened to mid-last mid decade Hamilton Academical, which is we're just getting a bunch of random jobbers and hopefully something will, something will work and not enough of it did. So it's not a surprise to see them go down. Coming up uh, from the second tier will be Rogaska. Um, they're going to be quite an interesting addition. I don't think they'll be coming up to make up the numbers. Um, I think if you were talking about maybe early favourites to be in trouble next season, you're probably looking at Brodomir, Bravo and whoever wins the relegation playoff. Um, but I think Rogaska might be a side who are actually a little bit clear of that mess at the bottom. We'll see what work, that, what work they do over the summer, but I like um, I like quite a lot of their attacking line. Um, so, yes, we shall see. Will be a very interesting summer. Um, you know, not just because of the... There are a few clubs in flux. Um, you know, Olympia most obviously, uh, in terms of what they're going to need to do to firstly bring in the new manager and then to adjust the squad to the new manager. They have started making a couple of player moves already. Uh, David Sulehi um, extended his contract and they are very, 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 very heavily linked with um, Dal Verasanovic, um, who would come from Sarajevo, I think. Um, so you know, we can see they're looking to make moves. Uh, and looking to spend money, which, you know, we, we talk about the, these sort of moves, bringing in, you know, Henriquez, who is a pretty, you know, big CV for a player, for someone coming to Slovenia. When you're talking about spending money on Varasanovic, which, you know, been room, seeing rumours of fees up to a quarter of a million, you know, I would sit in here and say, why didn't you just spend that money 
on giving Albert Riera the contract he wanted. But hey, I don't run a football club. Um, <laughs> we'll move south now to Heinel, to Croatia, and to the worst week Sibinik have had in a blooming long time. Um, last weekend, Sibinik were relegated um, after Garic's upturn in form, really, uh, is what is what doomed them. Um, yeah, I think we all thought it would take a bit of a miracle for Garicha to come back from where they were uh, at the start of the spring, and it took them a little while to get going, no doubt about that, but um, after Sibinik lost to Ostiak last Friday, Garicha then whipped Varazin 5-2. Really impressive performance there, which relegated Sibinik, and then Sibinik went on to play the cup final against Hajduk, and Hajduk beat them 2-0, um, which has ended with possibly Marco Levi getting a long suspension for getting a megaphone and saying things he shouldn't have been saying, the naughty, naughty boy. Otherwise, with one weekend to go, there is absolutely nothing whatsoever of anything interesting really to, t- to talk about with it. Obviously, Sibnik are relegated. Dinamo have been champions for a while. Hajduk have been confirmed second for a while. And last weekend, Ostiak and Rijeka confirmed their places in the Europa Conference League um, by virtue of Rijeka holding the head-to-head over Istra and not going on to, to that sort of... The, the tie-break qualities, really. So after so long this season, I was thinking, well, actually, probably it's not going to be the big four in the European competitions, potentially, because of... You know, Rijeka's terrible start to the season and Ossiek's terrible spring. Well, we've just ended up with the big four. <laughs> and we might even probably end up with Slavin Blooper finishing seventh, which sort of will just tell you everything you need to know about this season being absolutely even, Stephen, as it gets, really. Um, I think there's got to be special notices, really, um, to a few players who've upticked in form, really, Luke Vanasech. Um, I think first half of the season, terrible. And really, it deprived him of a chance to go to the World Cup, um, having such a poor first half of the season. Then this second half of the season, he's been brilliant. Um, particularly since the OB chance come in, he really picked up the performances. Um, also, yeah, the obvious one player to note from it, everyone really is Matthew Freegan. Um, I think I saw a... Uh, Twitter thing of, you know, who's your MVP of the season? And everyone was saying Marco Levi. And I'm like, huh, well, let's just check the stats on that one, um, because that's the sort of thing I do on my evenings. Um, and Levi was responsible, you know, when you're talking about his goals and assists and how they're contributing to games and game state, Levi's goal contributions contributed to 48% of Hydux points for um, Freegan. At 69%. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm talking about an MVP, I'm talking about the person whose contribution to the squad is the most obviously, you know, where you're sat thinking, well, where would they be without him? Well, where would Rijeka be without Frigan? Um, I think the answer is 69% of their points worse off, potentially. Um, and if you take 69% of, of the points off, they're down there with Sidnik. So it goes without saying, um, Frigan is MVP for me, really. But um, what do I know? Um, 
in terms of the rest table, I think it's worth pointing out, Easter have had a fantastic season to finish. They're going to finish either fifth or sixth, um, with Farrisdeen as the other side who might finish fifth or sixth. Um, I think both have had very good seasons. Um, Farrisdeen have something to build on. You know, they've got that sort of creative outlets coming through. What they don't necessarily have is, you know, the one sort of exception wide player, I think, is a difference for them. Um, and going into next season, it's going to be really interesting to see whether Garicha can continue their spring form. Because I think with their spring form, you will be talking about them being up there challenging Yeke and Osiek for European spot. Um, and they need to carry that on. Um, because that's sort of where they were before Christian Lovrich left last season. Um, yes, as for coming up, will be Rudez again. Um, so you may remember them from, I think, the last in the league about five seasons ago. Um, and they had an absolutely terrible final season in the league because their financial backers, the Basconia group, um, who uh, run Istra, um, left them for. Eastra about two weeks before the season started. So they had about three players in the contract, something ridiculous like that. Um, so yes, very much hope they'll be able to make a contribution to the league this time around. I'm sure they will be able to. They're certainly impressive enough winners of the second tier. Um, but I think they will struggle next season. Not from the case of you know, saying they're not good enough or anything like that. But I think they, aside from Sivinik, there wasn't really a side that was bad this season, or at least there wasn't a side that was bad at some point in the season that hasn't sorted itself out this season. Um, and I think there's quite a big gap between where Rudes will be right now and the ninth best club in the league. But we'll see what business they do. And as you know, with this podcast, we'll do a eye-wateringly in-depth look at the season before it starts. Uh, moving south again to the Premier League of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, no surprises there. Zrinski won the title. They've got one game. Everyone's got one game left. Uh, and the only thing to really up for debate is what's going on at the bottom. No one is relegated as yet. Um... But Leotar more or less are, um, because you have six sides separated by three points. So the entire bottom of the half of the table could, in theory, get relegated, but probably won't. Um, <laughs> um, Leotar and Sobotusa are the two currently holding the uh, spots for the drops. Um, and if we look at the final week of the season, which as I say, is this weekend, um, you have Sobotusa hosting Zelyesnika. Zelio need to get something from that game to be certain that they will be in Europe next season, but they're very likely to be in Europe next season. Um, as for Leota, they're hosting Tsuruki Brieg, who are the side who, if Zelio don't get the result they need versus the will be the side who will be in Europe instead of them. Um, so, yes, it's... I think generally when you sort of come to the last week of the season, you what you want to face is a side that doesn't have anything to play for and might not necessarily give two hoots whether they uh, win a game or not. Um, unfortunately for both the sides in the relegation mix, 
they don't have that luxury. Uh, they have parasites who very much will want to get a result. Um, see, for um, the other trophy, um, so we'll quickly mention the cup uh, because that was a Mostar derby, which was obviously held in Zenitia, because uh, why would you hold it somewhere where everyone would be able to attend? Um, and Srinsky won that 1-0. Uh, we will have, uh, as a European size, Srinsky, uh, obviously as champions in the Champions League, Borac in the uh, second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League, Sarajevo and and either Zayas or Sorokibiek taking up the final Conference League spot. They need... Uh, coefficient points really. Uh, I think we dropped down to 41st in the coefficient table, which is dangerously close to the bit where you have to go into the preliminary rounds. We'll be dealing with the preliminary rounds in, <laughs> in a minute when we get round to Montenegro. Um, but yes, keep your eye on the bottom of the table. Might be something that happens there, but I think given the nature of the games that are there, probably not. Um, the one sort of difference between this and the other divisions is that the first tiebreaker is actually goal difference rather than the head-to-heads. So in th- if Leotard were to win and Porsuchier lose to Velez, then Leotard would be up by goal difference. Um, yeah, there's a few mathematical things which we're not really going to get into because it's a bit boring. Um, <laughs> and a drone on enough as it is. So, yes. The likelihood is it will be uh, Leotard. Definitely, I would say, 99.9% certain to be going down. As for Sabor Tuzla, they're a bit more fashionable a club. And um, we'll maybe leave that comment at that. But again, you know, the the actual fixture itself doesn't bode well for them. Um, when we're talking about slightly veiled comments about match fixing, why don't we just move to Serbia, eh? Yes, um, because the entire Superliga is in just a mess at the moment because of, firstly, we'll mention Partizan because if you didn't pick up the last episode of this podcast, do go and listen to it because it was an hour just of me talking about uh, the situation at Partizan and how they are absolutely terrible at the moment and what's going on behind the scenes. That has continued on in the background, really. Um unfortunately, for them, uh, in terms of the legal fights between the sports association that runs the Partizan name, as it were, and the actual football club. Um, and it's at the point of people having a go at each other around about, um, you know, companies' house stuff, um, to use a, a very British term there. Um, so it's not something I... 100% understand it, it is with men in suits who get paid lots of money to say not a lot um, but they did also have another slight crisis this week um, or at least not not crisis but something that exposed some of their financial issues um, they banned uh, three former players from attending the club at all um, one of which was Lazar Markovic um, so, so previously the decorum uh, has been that former players are allowed to use gyms and stuff. Um, you know, if, if you're out of season, you just need to keep fit. You go and use your club's facilities. I'd say that's sort of been the decorum. Partizan have chosen to alter that decorum. but And their argument is that the reason they've changed that decorum is because they didn't ask to please. The players actually say, 
well, the reason you change that to quorum is because you owe us rather a lot of money. You offered us a financial settlement to uh, wipe that amount of money so you could get your UEFA license, and we're not taking that settlement. Again, it's another bit of legal issues, but um, you know the potential sum of money, I think, overall between the three players that's been alleged to be owed um, is somewhere in the region of about €700,000. So we're not talking pocket change here. Um, and, you know, certainly... I will always say, you know, players should get what they are owed. Um, there's no doubt about that, but that one's very much for the courts. Um, the second scandal has been around match fixing, and uh, specifically around um, three games. Um, the first of those was Marost Gat Novistad uh, taking on Kolobara which I would say is one of the most obviously fixed games I've ever watched. Um, Colabara had one shot on... It wasn't even on target, it was just one shot in 90 minutes. Um, and, yeah. I don't really think there was much doubt that anyone watching that game would come to the same conclusion as UEFA and the Serbian FA did. Um, the same was the case around uh, Colabara Spartak. Um, so it was possibly less obvious than that one um but you know still something where uh, uefa picked up suspicious betting patterns and wanted to act on it and there was also the accusation of in one game in the second tier um uh, which was rfk novisad versus radniki sravskimitrovka i think um which there's not been any sanction about that game because they've not been able to find evidence essentially that the the fix that was alleged to have happened didn't actually come off um, which is usually taken as quite a common sense way of saying, well, actually, it probably wasn't fixed then, was it? Um, but yes, in the Super League, what this has meant is that Colabara received a nine-point deduction this week for match fixing, which took them from uh, safe and in tenth, sorry, sorry, safe and in tenth in the table to relegated automatically and bottom of the table. As you can imagine, they're rather unhappy about this, particularly when Spartak and Wados were both just fined. Um, so that is going to think go to uh, CAS, Go to Arbitration for Sport. It's with the Serbian courts as well. And yeah, it, it can't just be normal, can it? Um, Mlados have also Mlados Gat, who are the other side that have been relegated, have also made some allegations of other uh, games being suspicious. UEFA have their work cut out, um, and as I will always say, and as sort of ties the partisan points and all this together, is that the key driver of match fixing is that players aren't getting enough money. Um, but Particularly, it's exacerbated when players aren't getting the money that they are necessarily contractually obligated to. And that is something that happens all too often in Serbia. And ultimately, if you want the game to run honestly, if you want people to be of unimpeachable moral character, then you have to take away the financial impulse for them to do anything that's dodgy, basically. And until you do that, you're going to have problems because... You know, I'm I'm reticent really to blame players for wanting to put food on the table. Um, you know, if it's players who are involved in it, um, yeah, it's that to me is the key issue. Um, 
and regrettably that's been a problem in Serbian football for many for as long as I've been watching it. Um, and they're not going to fix it until that's fixed. So yeah. Um, so to go through the uh, relegation roundup, I suppose Maloskat and Kolobara are both relegated. Um, two of four sides will fall into the relegation playoffs. Uh, Javo and Radnik Silica are the two that are in there at the moment. Uh, Maros Tukani and Radnik Nish are the two that might go in there if results go don't go their way. As things stand, the four players, sorry, the four sides who are in that mathematical needing to get something are playing each playing the four sides who are not in that mathematical needing to get something. Um, so that could end up interesting. <laughs> I think it's I think it's fair to say say no more. To round off stuff at the top half of the table, um, obviously Siesta won the title ages ago. They've made their announcement, which is not really a surprise to anyone, that um, they're our changing manager for this summer. So currently, um, the title currently managed by uh, Milos Milievich. Um, I think the rumour is he's going to somewhere in Austria. Um, I think it's one of the Viennas. Um, he is leaving at the end of the season. They will be taken over by um, the manager of Maccabi Haifa. Uh, I think if you sort of remember early this season, you know, uh, in their European campaign, um, Haifa were really, really impressive. Um, so you're getting past Olympiakos, uh, Apollon, Limassol, and Zviesta themselves in getting to the uh, Champions League group stage. And you know, when they were there, they uh, certainly did pretty well. Um, so, yes, Boruk, sorry, not Boruk, Borak Bakar. Um, is the next manager of Sven and Fiesta. Um, there will be a bit of investment this summer uh, in, in the squad to, to match that. Um, but yeah, and he comes from having won the Israeli Premier League as well. You know, there's certainly the pedigree there to suggest he's going to do well at Fiesta. In the race for second is... Uh, still undecided currently. Um, Tissi Bashtopola sits second at the moment, two points ahead of Kukurichi with one game to go. Um, for Kukas point, they were in the Serving Cup final uh, against Fiesta. Fiesta beat them in that. So they have had an extra midweek game that Tissi hasn't had to deal with. Um, they host Radnishi. Uh, on the final day of the season, whereas TC host Vojvodina. Now, Vojvodina are pretty good, um, but if uh, TC even get a point from that, they're guaranteed the Champions League third qualifying round spot. Kushichi will fall into the Europa League playoff round spot. I mean, to be honest, the net result is probably the same, which is you're going to end up with Europa Conference League group football. Um, and anything you win in your qualifying games is going to be a bit of a bonus, um, particularly for TSC, because when you go into that third qualifying round, the the, the league path, as it was, um, you know, you're going to be facing Ranger, uh, uh, for the seeding one, it's going to be Rangers, Braga, uh, the runners-up of the Eredivisie, 
and probably the third place team from League Un. Um, all of whom will be better than them. <laughs> um, I feel fairly confident in saying, um, as hilarious as it might be to imagine TSC knocking out Rangers for me. Um, Partizan and Vojvodina will be going into the Conference League, Partizan into the third qualifying round, Vojvodina into the second qualifying round. So there is certainly the live potential, if Partizan sort themselves out, um, that there will be four sides from Serbia in the group stages for European competition next season, which is pretty amazing, really. Um, you know, given how much we say about it on here and how much it's dissed, um, I think is the uh, appropriate term. Really, you know, there's so much wrong with it that uh, it seems quite weird to be able to be also at the same time pointing out that there might be something that uh, you know really gives credence to some incredible progress by the sides on the pitch. Um, but there is incredible progress by the sides on the pitch, uh, aside from Partizan. Um, so, you know, Hooray! Um, Novi Pazar, Vojtovac and Radniki Kruvac round off the top eight. Uh, Radniki Kruvac will be playing elsewhere next season. Their ground is getting done up, um, but they don't have a home yet because the place they wanted to move to um, was basically a glorified field. And I don't think it can actually be brought up to spec for the Superliga in time to start next season. So we'll it will be intriguing to see what exactly goes on there um, because we really have no idea where they're going to play. Uh, we have finally the three sort of southernmost bits, which are Montenegro, Kosovo, and North Macedonia. Starting off with Montenegro because that was uh, sorted for everything pretty much yesterday. Um, Budajnost was confirmed as champions. Um, well, Everything was sorted yesterday because it was the final day of the season. Um, Bushnost were confirmed as champions with Suchesca finishing second on um, the basis of the head-to-head between the sides. So in spite of Suchesca finishing with 17 better off on goal difference, um, they ended up losing the title. The champions of Bushnost end up in the preliminary round of the... um, Champions League. So that's against the champions of San Marino, Andorra, and Iceland. Um, I think from what I saw that the actual qualifier, the preliminary tournament is actually being held in Iceland. Um, so that certainly favours Riedeblik. Um, but we will see very much from that. I mean, Montenegro certainly need the points. Um, they've had consistent underperformance. Um, Arsenal, Tula are uh, the third team who go in uh, into Europe. So again, Suchesca. Um, Suchesca could probably have a chance in the European in the Europa Conference League based on their, some of their performances last season. Um, but we will see very much so on, on how they do on that. Um, again, that place for third was decided on the head-to-head. Uh, between Arsenal and Detschich. Um Relegated automatically with Iskra, that was pretty much sorted a long time ago, while Monarbar and Ruda Previa go into the relegation playoffs. They'll be facing um, Beran and Com, um, <laughs> respectively. Um, so, yes, that is that. Also sorted is Kosovo. 
uh, and also finished is North Macedonia. We'll start with North Macedonia. Um, Struga were confirmed champions a little while ago, actually. Didn't even go into that last week of, you know, I think, I think as we mentioned, um, which was going to be, you know, the top three all facing off against each other. It didn't get that far. Struga ended up winning the title by 10 points. Shkupi and Shkendia end up in the Europa Conference League from the league. And Macedonia, Goni Petrov, end up in the Conference League again from the Cup. Um, Pobeda, automatically relegated. Um, again, that was coming a long way out. Um, and SK Skopje also uh, end up in the relegation playoff. Again, that was coming a long way out because both those sides are absolutely terrible. Um, and then final go off for Kosovo, which is again... Um, no drama left in that one, uh, I'm afraid. Balkani were confirmed as champions for the second time in a row last weekend, um, with results going their way. There is a game left to go in the league. Um, Drita and Gilani um, end up in the Conference League. In terms of the relegation uh, conundrum. Donicho were relegated a long time ago, um, but the second relegation spot isn't actually sorted yet. That will be either Chepsha 89 or Ferijai. Um, they Ferijai are ahead by a point, so they would end up in the playoffs if things stand as they are, with uh, Chepsha uh, being one point behind them, uh, currently in the automatic relegation spot. Um, and that really is that. Um, we'll obviously try and get in for something um, to do a proper season review or something after this round of final games and for the Nations League as well. Um, Nations League fixtures coming up in June. Sorry, sorry. The Nations League finals coming up for Croatia in June. The Euro qualifiers for everyone else. Um and then when we get European stuff and just, you know, the general nonsense of football in the region, um, as we come to know and look very much over the past years. Um, we'll also, hopefully, after um, this week's finished, my crazy work schedule should pause for a bit. So it should be the potential that I'm actually able to write timeline episodes and tell you what happens to Olympia when... Um, they meet Yuri Schollmeyer. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert, um, there's a reason why Olympia went bankrupt. Um, but yes, um, it has been a, a fun season. I think certainly for the last little bit of it, there's been a lot of negativity to talk about, um, particularly from the issues in Serbia. Um, and some of the issues in Croatia as well. Um, in terms of how certain things have, ha, certain things have panned out, into, you know, thinking OCX, um, OCX Stadium issue, uh, Pampas won't be open this season. Uh, so the final game at Grotskivit is this weekend. Um, disciplinary things like Antti Ersheg getting his nine-game ban. Um, but, you know, we could possibly say that actually cost uh, Eastern European football this season, perhaps. Who knows? Um you know, the situation at Olympia being far more dramatic than it really ever needed to be. Just pay the man. Um, <laughs> uh, and amongst other things, you know, I think there's been a lot of accusations, um, 
than that. I think there has been a lot of accusations of impropriety um, in Bosnia um, in terms of some games. Um, and again, some games have been pretty obviously not on the level. Uh, I think that's one of the most depressing things that you get from watching this football so regularly is that you get this sort of sixth sense when you're watching something that doesn't seem to be 100% right. And I hope, my hope for 2023-2024 is that that feeling comes up far less often than it has this spring. And it does tend to be the spring that it comes up, unfortunately. Um, so yes, uh, do enjoy uh, the final weekend of games if your league hasn't already finished or yeah, might still be in playoffs and stuff like that. Um, enjoy your summer, really, because summer break <laughs> doesn't last very long. Um, I don't think we have official dates for things just yet, but I think, let's be honest, we know that uh, there's Euros next year. So for Euro 24 to be kicking off in mid-June, everything season-wise needs to be finished around this time next year as well. So we'll be back mid-July, I'm sure, talking about Europa Conference League first-round qualifiers between, you know, Domzal and some side from Armenia. Um, because we do it for the love of the game, don't we? Um, and how can you not love football in the former Yugoslavia? It is so eventful. Um, it has so many individual talents. And... Yeah, we'll leave on a positive note rather than talking about match fixing, eh? Um, so yes, thank you very much for taking the time to listen. As always, if there's someone you think would enjoy this podcast, please do let them know. Sharing is caring. Um, if your chosen podcast service does have a little review thing, do give it a review, preferably a positive one. If it's a negative one, keep it to yourself. Um, and I will catch you next time.